Hey guys, welcome back to the Elevated Project Podcast. Today I have Jenna Collar on and she owns Bombshell Productions. We chat everything about competing. So just a little overview about what to expect the first time you might step on stage. A big shout out to my sponsor at Relief Natural Wellness. As most of you are aware, CBD has been trending for a hot minute. Now, we all know what happens when something is crazy popular. Everyone wants to make a quick buck, and this means a lot of cheap, ineffective, and low-quality products on the market. CBD has become super popular for good reason. It is a great all-natural option for treating a variety of conditions like pain, inflammation, sleep, stress, mood, and digestion issues. Relief Natural Wellness is a Canadian company and they've built their brand on quality. They use only the highest quality Canadian grown hemp for a variety of products ranging from topical to tinctures and complete third-party lab testing on all CBD to demonstrate potency and purity. This is so important for anyone who might be subject to drug testing for THC in occupation or in sport. Their testing provides comfort knowing you'll pass those tests. And they even sponsor athletes and retain many customers who do routinely undergo drug testing. Relief sets himself apart from the plethora of CBD products with their evidence-based formulas. This combines specifically selected essential oils to elevate the benefits of CBD, just another reason why their products really are more effective than other CBD products you might find on the market. So don't buy your CBD at a gas station. Hit up www.yourrelief.com for your next online purchase. Use Jamie10 in the checkout for a discount. guys welcome back to the elevated project podcast um today we're switching gears a little bit and um, i am doing a podcast with jenna collar and jenna is the amazing owner of bombshell and um i'm gonna let her just roll here and introduce herself and let you guys know what she is uh so magical with Hey, Jamie, it's good to uh, good to be here. Thanks so much for including me. So as you mentioned, I own Bombshell Productions, Inc. Um, we specialize in, uh, I guess, well, show day services, but we're, the goal is a one-stop shop. So we offer a wide spectrum of things. Um, we deal with show day services such as tanning using liquid sunrays, uh, t- competition color, which is one of the top competition colors in the world. Um, We also do hair and makeup services on show day. Uh, We provide the accessories. We sell shoes, jewelry, of course, the LSR products. Um, I'm also the Canadian distributor for Liquid Sunrays in Canada. 
Um, and we just try to be a very big source of support for the competitors, whatever they're going through. Um, they, as you know, there's a ton of different things that pop up leading up to shows. And uh, we've got a lot of really great partners and affiliates that we work with. So we're kind of, I guess, able to kind of, I guess, like a little concierge. We're able to kind of let people know how they how they can go about doing things, where to go to get certain things, and uh, try to make that whole process super simple for everyone. And which they do because I have used them, and I am also um, an ambassador for um, Bombshell Productions. So I, I mean, what uh, there's like if any of any of you are listening that have competed before, you know how the last like the peak week leading up to and and especially if you're traveling to a show knowing that once you get there you have like full support and someone who is going to make sure that your tan is the best tan and your hair is going to look good and you know your makeup is fantastic and if it you know rubs off they're there to help fix and 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 Jen is always there for like emotional support too so it's like the whole package but thank you um, yeah there's a lot of emotional stuff that goes with competing too. And I mean, you know, a lot of people just think that our job is just to strictly apply the product and just leave you. And that's not the case. Like we have competitors backstage that are freaking out about going on stage, whether they're first time you've got competitors that have competed, but that are still nervous. So our team, what I'm really proud of is everybody on the team shares a lot of those characteristics. We're very, very um, loving to, our athletes, we support them as much as we can. We're there to encourage them and uh, we're there to celebrate those victories and those accomplishments with them. So it's really special. And the thing too, is like, you've been in this whole industry for a long time. So I know you and I were talking on the phone a while ago, and I don't think we realized that like how far back even both of us have been in the industry. So I know like things have changed a lot. I like the first time I competed was in 2008 um, and I worked, it was actually with WBFF. So Paul Dillett <laughs> and, and I was a, um, a judge's assistant for the WBFF for a while. Um, I worked with status fitness magazine back in like the day. Um, and so, you know, once we started chatting, you were like, oh yeah, you know, David Ford was like one of the first people I shot with. And, um, so yeah, we go, yeah. We, we've, we've kind of seen like the, the whole all of the changes, the at least in Canada, anyways, because it was the CPA was never around. Um, no, there was a lot was, of stuff. I mean, my older brother, I grew up with. We had weights in the basement, and um, he competed. I think I was about, I was eight or ten, something like that. Yeah. And um, so I've always just been around it. He was he was into bodybuilding, and it was something that he kind of found um, with his own journey too, and. Uh, it's always been something that I've been passionate about. I remember saving up allowance to, to buy muscle mags and everybody <laughs> never really understood why I thought it was so cool, but totally, it's, yeah, it's really, it's really great. And, and what's really cool too, is like you said, we can be there. I don't compete anymore, um, but I can still be there and support you guys, which I really think is cool. So. So the reason why I had Jenna come on and talk today is um, I really wanted to do a podcast. I was going to do a solo cast about um, basically talking about um, everything that you would, everything that you would find or every, anything that you would experience 
um, as a competitor. So I wanted it to be so that if someone was had never competed before and they were like, what, what, it, what is there to expect? Um, and so that they could listen to this and go, oh, I have a really good idea about all of it now. And they could make a very informed decision. So um, because I think that there's right now, I mean, you know, all people do is they just scroll on social media and see the highlight reels of competing, right? But they also see the other side of like, you know, like the people saying that they're suffering and the fasted cardio and the, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of stuff that really, I think they, people need um, to know about before they consider, um, you know, doing the journey of, of stepping on stage. So, um, and I figured that you, because you have been in this for a while and you see the competitors and you know, the organizations and all of that stuff that um, it would be great to have you so that we could, you know, bounce stuff around and, and uh, you know, both put our opinions out there about um, and the facts. So not just opinions, but facts about what it definitely takes to compete. So there's a, I mean, again, just touching on that, there's a lot of different things to consider. I mean, you know, before we kind of jump into the mix of things, I think the biggest thing that a lot of people don't necessarily do is they don't focus on why they want to compete. Yeah. It's like you said, they might, you know, scroll on social media and see, you know, somebody that has a great tan, that's got beautiful hair and makeup, that's got great jewelry, a beautiful suit, you know, the, the full package. But I think there's a wide spectrum of things that bring people to the sport. Um, with a lot of the clients that I deal with anyways, I've had women that have been in abusive relationships. I've got, you know, competitors that have been picked on or bullied. Um, I've got competitors that were athletes, like whether they played in, in team sports. And this is obviously very individual. It's you working with your coach. Um, there's women that, you know, it's a bucket list thing or, or, you know, even guys for that matter, it's a bucket list thing. Like to me, it doesn't really matter what your reason is for competing. I always giggle when I tell people this, but it doesn't matter if you just want to look awesome, eat an ice cream cone with a six pack walking down the street in the summer, like it, or going to the beach, or you want to look good for yourself or for your partner, whatever your goals are. I think that's kind of one of the big places to start is get focused on what your why is that's going to help kind of push you because as we kind of touched on it, competing is tough. It's very mentally, it's mentally tough. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to dig deep. Um, especially for women. I think so many women are used to putting everybody, you know, everybody's needs before theirs. So this is a time where you can be very selfish or you have to be very selfish and make sure that your needs are being met. You know, for, for some of the moms out there that compete, they all know that there's meals that need to be prepared for their family, but they're having to eat another way because that's their plan. So there's a lot of, of different things, you know, that, that come into play before you should just say, oh, I want to go do that. Like, I yeah. think it's, it's smart to be informed. Yeah. And I think like one of the biggest things that, you know, and I had this list because sometimes I go off on tangents. So I like to have lists so that we can, um, so that we can see, like, you know, we can kind of stay on track. So one yeah. of the things, because I am a coach, but I mean, that's not why that's not what I want to talk about today. Um, 
and it's, I mean, I know a lot of competitors too. So um, the one thing that I see is I, I really feel like people need to have a really strong foundation of at least a year of training before like training intentionally. So that means they know how to lift weights. They know what a program is. They're consistent with it, you know, um, and f- like to follow a structured plan first, because I mean, one of the things that is if they have that in place before they decide to compete, it's going to be a lot easier. Yeah. You know, I, imagine I agree with that, that, you know, not, never, ever possibly training or following a plan, even like nutrition. And all of a sudden you throw yourself into prep. Yeah. I mean, I think again, it is good to have that foundation. Um, I don't necessarily have a problem with people that are wanting to compete that don't have that foundation, because I think that going through a prep is really great. You learn a lot. Um, you know, not only about, you know, proper nutrition, what your eating habits need to be, um, training and that kind of stuff. I think there's so many people that are in the gyms that don't know how to train properly. No. And so it's nice if you did jump into, you know, getting a coach, if that's something that, you know, appeals to you, which I highly recommend, um, especially people that are knowledgeable and that have experience doing it. There's so many competitors that do one show and now all of a sudden they're an expert and they can potentially do a lot of damage. So I think doing your research um, with the coaches and we can kind of talk a little bit more about that after, but you know, having a, a good foundation is important, but I also think being open and, and there's a lot of people that will go and educate themselves. There's a lot of people that will go and do research and want to know and, and really get into the fitness thing. So again, I think either or to me is okay. Um, I just, you know, you've got to be really willing to, it's a big, steep learning curve if you don't have a background in it. Yeah. Um, I think even when you're first starting out, it's always good to, you know, at your gym or whatever, to get some personal training sessions, just so you can learn proper form, because we've all seen it in the gym, people are doing things, you know, with improper form that could lead to injuries that could lead to, again, um, just a very <clears throat> unstable foundation, we'll put it that way. And when yeah. you do have a professional that's kind of in that realm, they're going to show you kind of what you need to know. So, well, and it's, I mean, the other thing too, is if you are, so, I mean, a lot of the reason why we step on stage is to showcase the physique that we have built. Mm-hmm. Right? And so if you train efficiently, your physique is going to be better. So if you know, how, and it, you know, like, so if you know how to do the movements properly, and you have good quality of training as opposed to quantity, because most people just focus on quantity, um, your physique is going to progress a lot, a lot better, quicker, if you, you you train. And so yeah, definitely having someone to guide you to show you those ropes are is really important. Um, And I guess it's like, me touching on just having a foundation. I mean, I always think that it's good to have a relationship with your coach too, before you enter into something extreme like prep, you know, you want your coach to know you and to understand your, like, like mentally how you react to things and how you respond to foods. And, um, Mm -hmm. and I can say that because I remember my first prep that I did, I had no contact with the coach first, had never met them. She knew nothing about me. 
And like, it was, I mean, it was a huge eye opener for me. Um, and I think it was like a huge learning curve for the coach as well, which I don't know if you want that during a prep, have the learning curve before and then enter prep. Now that when you know each other. Again, I mean, either or to me really doesn't make a difference. I think the biggest thing is when you are shopping for a coach. Um, I think it's important to obviously, you know, get some testimonials or kind of talk to maybe like people that you might know from their team. Reaching out to them is always good. But I recommend to people if they're in the market for a coach is pick five people um, and get those recommendations. Yeah, and interview (laughs) them and see which see which one you're going to be equally yoked with, because you're right. Like there's a lot of different things and this is a very personal, um, it's a very personal journey. There's a lot of things that are going to pop up. There's going to be some mental health things, especially for women. It's, you know, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I should just go cheat. I should listen to everybody else that doesn't believe in me or that thinks this is silly a lot of friends and family aren't going to, to understand why you're doing it. No, so, you know, you, you might be at a family function and there might be cake or something. And, you know, people are like, well, it's one piece of cake. What's the big deal? And people, it's like, they kind of try and guilt you. And if you've got that really strong relationship with your coach, not only is it important, one of the things a lot of the competitors say to me is, oh, I'm letting my coach down if I cheat on my plan. Well, in a sense, yes, but you're letting yourself down, which I think is way more important. Um, The coaches are going to be there, but again, any good coach is, uh, any good coach is going to put the effort in when the effort is being met on their end too, right? So if your client is, is responding, is following the plan, is doing what you're telling them to do, um, it's always good to ask questions about, you know, why are we doing this? Just so that you can learn on the process. There's some people that just disconnect completely and they want a coach just to say, X, Y, Z, this is everything you have to do. And they just go do it. But other people aren't like that. So, you know, interviewing, I think is important. I think the other thing that I would really, that I, I would consider incredibly important too, is are they, have they competed themselves? You know, are they, have they, you know, how long ago did they compete? How long have they been coaching for? Because there's so many people, again, as I mentioned, that have compete, like done one or two shows and now they feel they're an expert and all they're doing is handing out their cookie cutter plan that they got from their previous coach. Yeah. So to me, that puts, you know, your potential clients or potential clients down the road. It puts them at risk because if you don't have the knowledge, the expertise, um, the experience, there's a lot of things that can go very sideways. Like metabolism is another really big one that if you don't know what you're doing and you're completely depleting the person or, you know, their caloric intake or macros, micros, whatever it is that you're doing, um, isn't, isn't effective. Each person's body responds differently. Some people have got food, some sensitivities, some don't, some people like eating fish, others don't. Um, some people have textural issues with food, like things like eggs, they can't eat that because of the texture. So there's a lot of different things and any knowledgeable coach is going to be able to walk you through that and will be able to make those modifications to your plan. So it's special for you. Um, I do know coaches, again, that hand out kind of the cookie cutter plans. And, and in, in my experience, anyways, the majority of the people that are doing that are the ones that don't necessarily have a ton of experience 
or they might take on too many clients and they just don't have enough time to designate that, you know, each time for each yeah. client. So individualized things. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I guess like, so coming back to like things that you should consider before you, you know, embark on this adventure, um, is I think a question you really have to ask yourself is, do you enjoy structure and adherence? Yep. Because if you don't, then that, I mean, prep is, is really difficult. Like, I mean, it is something that you have to commit to and just decide like for the next 20 weeks, I am going to be, I'm going to do this structure. I am going to be compliant. I am going to adhere to what my coaches tell me, my coach tells me to do. And Mm -hmm. because if you don't, if you're constantly, um, you know, going off the rails and not being compliant. I mean, you're not, prep's going to be really difficult and you're not going to feel fantastic on stage. Yeah. I, again, that goes, I think back to the relationship that you have with your coach and that kind of stuff too, is, you know, yes, being disciplined is important. This can teach people that. Um, I think having a good, having a good attitude about it and understanding that it's not going to be an easy process. It's worth it. You learn a ton about yourself. You meet some incredible people. There's a lot of, again, emotional and mental things that you do go through in the prep because you're challenging yourself. Now you're not going to find anybody that tells you that competing is healthy. I I don't believe that, but it isn't Um, again, like not healthy. the the depletion the you know cutting water everything that kind of takes place like peak week and you know restrictions on different things it depends on what your mindset is that's what I believe I believe that you know you've got to really you've got to have different things that are um that are are going to help you so again experienced person yes you know you, you need to you need to be open and understand that this isn't going to be easy, but it's going to be one of the coolest things you're going to go through. Um, And like you said, lots of people just, they think it's great to to learn how to challenge themselves. I have competitors that they walk through, you know, to come see me to pick up accessories. You can tell if they're going to compete or not again. Yeah. You can tell if they're really into it. You can, you know, if they're cheating on their plans, you know, all of that It's obvious. And my advice to them always is follow what your coach is, is telling you to do. If you're having struggles with your coach, um, you know, maybe you're not understanding why they're doing specific things or you are um, not, not, I don't know. You just, you just don't feel like you're jamming with them. I think it's always important to give your coach the opportunity to kind of fix any of those issues, bring your, bring your concerns forward. You're the one paying for the but training. If, so you, but if you haven't, if you're, like if it doesn't fit your value, your values, right. It comes back to the whole why and you keep going off plan. It has, it's not your coach's fault. It's like, you have to be accountable for all that. And I mean, you have to be prepared to just, you know, say no, there are going to be times where you're going to have to say no. There's going to be times when you have to make the choice that's difficult and, you know, Mm -hmm. stick to your plan. And, um, and I mean, like another thing too, is I think that it's really important for people to have um, like their daily, like to have a daily routine optimized, um, their hormones, their lifestyle, um, their relationships, 
like supportive relationships before they do it too. Because um, I know like I have had, you know, numerous people, I'm sure you've seen too, that um, if it's really difficult, if their, if their partner or their family does not support them at all, it can be really, really hard. Um, And also if you, if you enter into it, when you already have metabolic issues and your health is not great, like you said, competing is not a healthy thing. It doesn't get you healthy. And so I think that's something you have to take into consideration before you decide to do it. Right. With the, and again, let me, let me just touch on that. I, there are a lot of really great things that come out of competing. So I really think that learning how to train properly and lift weights and, and push your body and challenge it, I think is really great. I think again, you know, getting into a prep or any of the different things like learning how to eat properly, um, that kind of stuff. Those are all very positive things. Yeah. When you start getting into the extreme diets and the extreme things, like I know people that, you know, for six meals, they're eating a chicken breast and a whole cucumber. That's all they're eating for six meals a day. And to me, it's like, well, that's not necessarily the best either. Right. I think you having that strong foundation, following your coach, doing exactly what it is that you're supposed to be doing. But again, there's, there's new competitors that come in. They've always wanted to do it and they thrive in that environment. You're right. Having that structure, knowing when you need to do your cardio, having that routine. Um, a lot of, a lot of the competitors and people that any, that take it serious or take, you know, competing seriously, they're, they're following very similar routines year round. So, you know, jumping into competing, isn't just a fix it magic, you know, no. Oh, now all of a sudden I'm structured. It's people are eating meals, structured meals like this throughout the year. The only difference is that when they go into a prep, obviously the foods are going to change and the quantities and that kind of stuff, but they've got that, they've got that foundation. And I think you can get there. Um, the biggest thing is obviously you learn a ton from your first prep. So you learn things that you like, things that you can improve on, areas that you need to obviously work on. And I think each prep gets a little bit easier for you and your coach. Your coach is still, is their job is basically to provide you with the platform of, of what your goals are and to help you achieve them. Yes. But I also think as a new competitor, you're going to have a lot more questions. You're going to be a lot more demanding in a sense and not in a mean way, but it's just, it's a lot more intense, that investment in that relationship, which is why finding somebody that you, you work with well is so important. And your second, third, there's nothing wrong with asking your coach questions. Like, I think no, there is some people they're like, Oh, I feel like I'm bothering my coach by asking like why we're doing this. And it's like, no, no, no. Ask them. Like if, if it makes you feel better to know, like why you're doing something, then by all means, like ask away. Absolutely. Like I wouldn't say don't pepper their phone with, you know, a gazillion text messages throughout the day. But if you do have legitimate things, you know, maybe start writing them down. I know a lot of the coaches will get you to check in um, weekly. A lot of them will kind of check in some really focus on the mental health. So some are very focused daily. It's like, how are you feeling? Like, how did you sleep? What's going on with you? You know, any of that kind of stuff. And, and with COVID, I think obviously that is, is a little bit tougher, but once you get into, you know, your second, third, fourth, fifth prep, um, 
I think those questions kind of start to taper by and you start to ask just little basic things or, you know, you, you learn the knowledge yourself. So it's not something that you, you need to, I guess, get any sort of clarification on, but the biggest thing, no matter what, whether it's our services, training with a coach, whatever, if you have questions, it's always good to reach out to get that clarification because going through the process, you really don't know. You're like, Oh, I signed up with a coach. This is great. And okay. My diet could be, or my plan could be 16, 20, 24 weeks, depending on how, you know, what shows you guys decide. Um, that's a big commitment. So asking those questions and kind of getting that, but that's kind of all stuff that I would do in the interview process when you are trying to find somebody is just, again, ask what kinds of things they do, because you're right, competitors, especially when you're first getting into it, they don't necessarily know everything that you're going to have to do and the commitments. And I do want to touch on just the support. It's incredibly important for you to have that support. Um, As I mentioned, there's a lot of people that, that don't. So their friends and family don't support it. They don't understand it. And that's why like your why and and the reason why you're wanting to compete and and your journey, you've got to keep that really present. There's a lot of people that, you know, they, they don't understand it. They look at it as unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, but the really cool thing is if you don't have that support, you can still find it because once you get in, especially if you're with coaches that have, you know, other athletes, and I'm not talking about massive teams, but you know, when they do have a bigger team, you're going to start meeting new people. You're going to start meeting people that might be go to the same gym. Maybe they're in the same area or city as you. Maybe, you know, you guys can go work out together. You can get that support because the competitors are going to understand what you're going through. And what I always tell people, your first show, it's kind of funny. You'll either latch on to somebody that has competed before and that will show you the ropes or you'll meet somebody that's completely brand new and you'll learn things together, but that support and that fit fam, you will never, there's no other people on the face of the planet that are going to support you unconditionally like that. And that can relate to exactly how you're feeling because there's days you feel like you can't go on. There's days that you don't want to get up for your fasted cardio. You don't want to eat. You can't get that other meal in. And these are all people that are going to continue to push you. So having that support, you can get it just because you might not have it at home or with your friends or family. You can still find that. And like, here's just an example of, so when I am pretty deep in prep, here's an example of my day. So this is like Mm -hmm. why you think about, we talk about having support. Um, And I mean, I did, I prepped when I had smaller kids too, which is, I took a break because it was really hard with small kids and I ran my own business. Um, But typically like, um, I don't do super early cardio, fasted cardio, cause it does not work for me. But usually what I do is I sleep as long as I can in the morning. I'm lucky because I make my own schedule, but I'll sleep until like seven. So I don't get up at five o'clock in the morning to do cardio anymore. Cause it totally wrecks me. But towards the end of a prep, I'm doing two hours. And that's like, that's, that can be totally typical for people to have to do two hours of cardio. Plus then there's two hours of training. Plus you have your food prep too. Right. So, you know, like when you're in prep and especially towards the end, if you've got two hours cardio to do plus training, you know, it's like, 
you go to the gym for seven or eight o'clock, you do cardio. By the time you get home, it's almost nine. You eat, you, you know, you do your work, whatever it is. Um, and then I eat, I do, I like, I get work done on the computer and then I'm back at the gym to train and I'm there for a couple hours. And then by the time I get home, you know, then it's like, you know, two o'clock. And then, you know, it's like, okay, now I have to do some more work. I have, you know, you have all of the adulting things that you need to do, right? You have laundry, you clean your house, you might have to run kids, you, whatever it is, more food prep, eat a few meals in there. Um, and then usually it's, it's another round of cardio, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, your day evaporates and if you can't, and if you don't get onto a really good schedule and routine, it's hard to get all of it in. And I like, I'm a pretty, I'm like very scheduled, very routine. And there are days where, you know, it's like eight o'clock at night and I'm like, I have to do this all over again tomorrow, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, you know, it can, it's really, really difficult. Um, and it's a choice that we make. So I don't ever complain about it because I'm choosing to do it, mm-hmm. but you know? Yeah. I think again, just getting back into that, like it, again, if you break it down into very manageable goals. So, okay. Like just to kind of talk about your, how you structure your day. Yeah. So your morning cardio session. Okay. So that's one more cardio session that you've done that now puts you closer to your goal. Totally. Same thing with your meal prep. Always counted. I always count it that way. It's one more meal closer to your goal, especially like usually about week seven to week three is when all of the negative, it's kind of like you're lost in a forest, right? Yes. You, you really, it's all the negative self-talk because you're so deep into your prep at that point, but you feel like it's you're, you're in the middle and you just feel like you can't keep going. So having those structures, there's a lot of sacrifice. Like this is not, it's not something that oh, you know, it's great. I mean, if you're fortunate enough and you're in a financial position to get a meal prep company, terrific, because that will definitely help reduce some of the amount of time that you put into this, uh, into this endeavor. If you don't, some people, uh, I know lots of people that will prepare their meals as they're eating. They have that ability, they're at home or, you know, they don't like eating cold food or whatever. Some clients will, um, start doing meal prep, you know, maybe Sundays and Wednesdays or whatever, like it, you got to figure out what works for you. Some people do it once a week. So it's a lot of trial and error. And and like you said, there, you've got to try and be willing to be open that way. Um, Again, that support with the fit fam, there's a lot of people too. Like, I don't agree with, with talking to your friends about what your plan is in terms of like, your, I mean, I know you've competed in physique, which yeah. is when we met. And I know your most recent show you did figure, but you know, you're going to be different. Your plan would be different with a coach than if it's a bikini or a wellness girl totally. or women's bodybuilding or any of that kind of stuff. So it's really tough. Like if you start getting into, well, how come were we with the same coach and how come you're eating two chicken breasts, but I only get half of one or whatever, you're getting more carbs than I do or whatever it is. Like if you have a great coach, do your research, find somebody you work well with, but don't compare your plans to other people. There could be other people that are bikini girls as well. Well, you can't, but there could be other girls that you're friends with that are bikini competitors as well. Their coach might be doing something completely different. 
the biggest thing is you got to find those people that you trust and you've got to follow them. And you kind of put your blinders on in a sense, and you don't worry about what anybody on your team is doing. You don't worry about what other competitors or other, you know, what their coach has them doing in some instances, if it's a coach that, you know, hasn't really, I guess, dieted many people or done many preps that will kind of show itself. Um, I think that's fairly evident, but you know, just don't question, you can question some things, but don't sit there and compare yourself to what your friend's plan is and all that kind of stuff. So everything kind of works differently. I never liked training, um, in the morning. I hated it. No, so getting I, up and doing not lift weights in the morning. And even with like no. cardio, I mean, um, you know, at first, like I was doing it because I was trying to fit it in. So I had more time in the day but it was causing so much fatigue that it was completely mm-hmm. wrecking me so that I was inflamed and I was um, holding water and my weight was going up. And my coach was like, okay, this is not working for you. Like we need to take this out. Right. So yeah, it's like, that's the thing. It's so individual. Everyone responds so different, differently to everything. And so the thing, yeah, the thing is, is you just have to focus on like what is working for you and what is um, making, making, you um, progress the most not what what is making Mm -hmm. like whoever progress and there when I was I mean I did you know I did a few preps and stuff like that and um it was my trainers always used to get so mad at me because I do really well late so like when I was working in the nightclubs for example you know I might not get up till later on in the day but my first thing was yeah faster cardio or was my morning cardio okay fine you know depending on if I had training sessions or something booked then you know on my day just kind of varied depending on what we were doing but I have always operated really well lifting late at night so to me like I need a 24-hour gym I can't stand if even if I know that I have until 10 or 11 o'clock at night that's not good enough for me I like to go at, you know, midnight, one o'clock in the morning. I was, when I was working, um, you know, in the, in the clubs, I was also at a full-time job during the day. So I'd come home, nap for a little bit, go work in the club. And then sometimes I would either go to the gym and train, go back, get a little bit of sleep. Like you, you have to fit it in where you can, especially if you, you know, have young kids and that sort of stuff. There's a lot of juggling that needs to happen. So you know, working that out with your partner, with friends, with family that can help you. Um, The other thing that you're doing too, is you're teaching your kids, you're showing them like true discipline, you're showing them, especially no matter if they're little or not, but you're showing them that you're disciplined and you're focused on achieving a goal, which is really cool for them to see too. Um, Because it's, like you said, you've got to listen to your body that way. Um, Even when I was training, you know, with trainers and stuff, it was always like a a mid afternoon or late afternoon session. I never did really well in the mornings. I always felt really great afternoon, evening lifting, but you've got to judge that. I know people that will get up at four o'clock in the morning because they do really well in the morning. They love getting their cardio done. They love lifting. They love doing everything that they can possibly do in the morning. And so again, it depends. That's kind of an individual thing. So it's, I mean, I like to stay up until like 10 o'clock at night. So that means that I, I'm not going to be getting up at three to go to the gym. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it's just comes down to personality and what works for you. Right. So 
So that's the thing is like, I think lots of people try to adapt other people's schedules and routines, but it doesn't work mm-hmm. for them. And then they, d- and then they start to resent it. Right. So it's just figuring out what works yeah. for you. And here's another thing. If you're, if you've never competed, then I re- highly recommend that you actually go and watch a show first. You know, I'll even go take that a step further. I recommend for anybody thinking about it, I recommend them to volunteer at one. Yes, that is. Because the other, the other benefit with that is you're going to get access to kind of backstage. You're going to see, you know, the stuff like, I don't get rattled about it, but I don't like seeing bags on shoulders because to me that could affect your tan. And I know people, (laughs) people laugh about it, but that's where my headspace is with it. There's lots of really... There's rolly suitcases, lots of girls or guys will bring pillows, blankets with them. Like you want to yeah. be comfy. Um, but volunteering definitely gives you another aspect of it. It's a really great way to kind of kickstart your motivation too, because you can look at that and go, wow, like that's so cool. Or, but you get to see a lot of different things. You can see the competitors, you know, if they're eating rice cakes and honey or whatever they're doing backstage you can kind of see the different aspects of things. You can see the tanning company that, you know, is, is applying the suit glue and the glaze. You can see a, a wide, a wide spectrum. I love going obviously and seeing the shows, but the volunteering is really nice. It just, it does something for the competitors that are thinking about it. And it gives you a really cool perspective and who knows, maybe you decide that you don't want to compete. You just want to be active, but you still want to volunteer. It's a really great way to give back to the community. But again, it gives you a leg up in meeting competitors. And I have people that are, and you get to like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, if they're standing online to like, you know, step on stage, I probably wouldn't go and start asking them, (laughs) them, you know, some stuff like that. But you know, I have girls even on my team that they follow other girls on my team. And it was really funny seeing them interact for the first time because it, they're like, oh my gosh, like I follow this person on Instagram or it's just, everybody is just super chill for the most part, but you've got to remember like show day, you look awesome. Some people don't feel really great. You feel gross. You haven't showered since the day before, since before you got your tan on. There's all kinds of things, but yeah, know, going to a show, you're sweaty and your armpits are kind of stinky wow. and like all that. Yeah, yeah. we, we kind of, I mean, I know our, I can speak for our company. We kind of will take care of that because we yeah. have a powder that we put under arms, yeah. but there's but a lot of different things. Stinky. Like I know, like, yeah, not that I don't feel beautiful and like all lean and tight and I have my makeup and my hair done, but you feel kind of stinky. Like it's just, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's such a weird paradox. I think think it was yeah after I competed I think I everybody wanted to go and eat and I literally told everyone I'm like I'll be back in an hour and I went and I showered yeah just I mean my makeup I kept my makeup and my hair still looked nice but I just I wanted to get that off and just wanted to feel nice and clean I I guess is the only way you could put it but well and um, especially too like for me the last show I competed in um I was so hot. Like, I mean, I'm generally yeah. a hot person. I run really hot. Even at end of prep, I don't get cold. I get hot. And I was just leaking. I was sweating like on stage, yeah. we were on stage for a long time and the lights were hot. And it was like, I got off and it might, like my suit was wet. Yeah. So of course I was like, ew, I just need to like, I need to shower, but um, yeah. let's, Hey, let's talk about the financial cost of all this. 
because I think you okay. have a pretty good grasp on on the whole cost. I mean, I know I do. Um, and I know that different shows, registration for different shows can be different costs, but um, like when it comes to CPA for a regional yep. show, the thing is, um, so let's just throw out the different categories or the different divisions that there are. So there's bikini, there's wellness, there's figure, yep. physique, and women's yep. bodybuilding. Yeah. Now, and again, then you, over, then you, right? Yeah, so, they, they can. I think the biggest thing before we start that is you need to, I'm going to keep it general, but yes, yeah. you know, CPA is the company or the, the federation that we work IFBB. with which is under the IFBB umbrella. So yeah. Yes. And I mean, there, there's a lot of great opportunities, but that's another conversation. Yeah. Most of the federations will have what's it's a membership. Yes. So that's one of the things that you obviously need to, to go in and get. And that's just, that's the ability to compete in that federation. So the CPA, they have a year membership. You can go onto their website and you can purchase it. Is it like that's a, kind of $185. I can't remember. I just paid for I don't my, think I it's what it is. I don't think it's that much. Yeah, I think it's about $150, yeah. something like that. Yeah. But I mean, that's kind of the first step. And then yeah. once you kind of get into the different divisions, and I know we're kind of specializing or talking about females, there's men's physique, men's classic, men's bodybuilding for the yeah. guys. Um, so for a new competitor, you can do a true novice class, which means you've never competed, but that means you've never competed ever, not with yeah. another federation. You've never, it's your first time on stage. Yeah. You can do your age um, for some of the divisions. Again, like there might be grandmasters, masters, uh, the open, any of that kind of stuff. It really just depends. My attitude with that is go and put yourself in as many things as you can. I mean, I'm not going to say go into 12 different classes, but if you're, let's say you're doing bikini, then do your true novice, uh, do your height, do the open, all of that kind of fun stuff. Get as much stage time as you can, because you've worked so hard for that day. In my mind, it makes no sense with all of the expenses that we're going to come talk about to sit there and do one class. Like that to me is, is a waste of money. That's my opinion on it. Unless you're trying to qualify for a specific class. Yeah. Or division. If you like, let's say for yourself, you qualified for physique. So that's fine. Then when you go to do figure, if you want to qualify for both, and that's a different ball game. But as a first time competitor, I would get into as many things as you can. And I think for the most part, um, I want to say each class, like it could be 150. And I then with your additional, because I think it, when I competed at Muscle Beach, I was in three, three classes. And it was like $400, I think. Yeah, I think it depends on the shows too, like the show promoters and what yes. they're kind of doing. The yeah. other thing that you need to really decide on too is whether you're going to do an open show, uh, which could have enhanced athletes or yeah. whether you're going to do a natural show, which is drug tested. Um, and there are different fees. I think I want to say for the natural, and again, don't quote me, it's maybe $150 because there is also the addition because they do have somebody that comes in to do the testing. Um, some federations will go and they'll do, you know, a polygraph. Some will do um, urine testing. Like yeah. it, it depends on the federation. But my big thing is educate yourself on, you know, all of those different things and just get a good idea. It's always a good idea to have a budget. So you've got your classes, 
my recommendation for everybody is to always start looking at your suit first. And I know people think that's crazy, but here's why your suit, you do need to start that process, but because there's, a, there's really great suit makers, they get busy very quickly and their spots fill up. So I suggest to my clients when they come to see me, pick a good base color that you really like. So stay away from, you know, the, the whites, the buttercream, yellow, like the light pink, any of that. Go with a richer, deeper jewel tone, like a royal blue, emerald green, purple, red. Um, I've seen girls in black. They look great in it. But pick that and start kind of checking things out. You can look at different websites too or different Instagram accounts see, check out a suit that you really like, and then just say, Hey, I'd like something similar to this or whatever. Most suit makers are going to be able to do that because they're super then creative. You... And like, even with yeah. Lucy with ginger wear, who is fantastic. Yeah. And I have to bring her name up because yeah, she, I mean, she's connected to bombshell too. So, um, like when I contacted her, I mean, I had her make my suit and then I stoned it, but it was because I wanted to, not because she's not awesome. And I was trying to save some money, but like if I, in the beginning, I had just given her some ideas of like colors and mm-hmm. she kind of like knew my personality. And then she just came up with like, all of a sudden she was coming up with these designs, right? Yeah. They're, she, they're very creative. Like it's, it blows my mind at the stuff that they create. So it, it's incredible because I mean, again, I'll, I'll speak. I do work with a couple of suit makers. Yeah. We, we generally, we work with Tracy um, I also refer clients to Sarah Marie. We've worked with yeah. Cabba Fashion in the past. I've yeah. worked with Christine Carr, um, KH Customs, KHP, uh, Suit Lady. Like, the, I mean, there's lots in the States. Talk, too. Yeah, there's Toxic Angels. There's, you know, uh, Angel Competition. Like, there's a lot. I think, again, the biggest thing is here's how you can cut costs. So go and pick a really good base color that you like and get what you can afford. So if you can afford to get, you know, I don't know, you can afford five, 500, six, $700 on a suit. You let them know what their, but your budget is, you let them design it. But what you can do is for your next show, if you decide that you're going to compete again, which a lot of people do, you can swap out your connectors, you send your suit back, swap out your connectors, and then you can get them to add more stones. So after two or three shows, like by the time your third or fourth show, you can have a fully stoned suit. Um, and again, you haven't had to break the bank to do it, but if you are unsure if you're going to compete again, that's kind of the road that I suggest. I know some competitors. Yeah, you can rent. The only disadvantage in my opinion with that is, is that it's never going to fit you the way that a custom suit does. So you just have to be prepared with that. If you think that, you know, maybe the previous girl had, you know, I don't know, different glutes. Maybe her chest was a little bit different. I don't know. Like there's all kinds of different things, but just be educate yourself, but you can do it in an affordable way. And same thing. You can go ahead and, and stone the suit yourself. If you are wanting to save money, I tend to kind of recommend if you are going to do that to work with the suit maker and to see if they can sell you some of their stones Um, And also make a recommendation of the glue, because I know some of the glue that some of the suit makers use is really, really intense uh, stuff. It's meant to, because you don't want your stones falling off on stage or when you're, you have your suit on. Um, So work with them. And, you know, some, 
just remember that some are, some are going to be okay with giving that advice. Some aren't. So just be okay. And just, it's never a problem to just reach out, but working with your suit maker and getting that design process started, even for, I don't really call them deposits. I call it partial payments. So when you start getting into making partial payments, some suit makers will allow you to do payment options uh, or payment plans with them. Some require a partial payment of half of the suit, the cost of the suit in order to do it. And some will expect everything up front. So it, again, there's a lot of really, really great suits that you can get, but you've got to be patient with that process too. Um, but I mean, you can definitely get, you can, you still can get a really nice suit for $500, right? Absolutely. So, and I mean, so. I think going like looking, especially in the Canadian market, any like $500 is, yeah, it's, it's going to be a decent suit again, depending on the suit maker, because there's some people that, you know, are more affordable than others. I'm just going to put it that way. Yeah. Um, but you know, with the suit and stuff, like I said, there's, there's a lot of different options, but get that good base color and you can kind of build yourself up to that. And then you're not having to break the bank with it. The and other thing, obviously go ahead. No, I mean, you see, and with a suit, like as long as the suit is a good quality suit and it's, and it's made properly, right. You can kind of cut corners with like how many stones and stuff are on it, as long as it's a really good made suit. But there are things that you will be able to definitely um, touch on this. The things that you don't want to cut quarters, cut, cut corners on when it comes to competing. And it's all of the things that you provide. <laughs> because yeah. I'm sure how many times have you seen people that have tried to do their own tan, tried to do their own stage makeup, all of those things. Like, and for me, like I, there's no way that I would ever cut corners on that kind of stuff. I think again, it depends like for, you know, a lot of people, they're going to kind of guide you to that right direction, but I'm going to keep things very general. I think for shoes, I'm going to, I'll talk about shoes first for shoes. I kind of recommend girls getting those like eight to 10 weeks out. Um, you know, lots of coaches will start kind of posing and that kind of stuff, but because your feet aren't going to be competition ready, like if you're, let's say you want to get a pair of shoes eight months out, get something that's going to fit your feet right now, then if you're going to start posing and and practicing and and you're not somebody that's comfortable in heels, once you kind of get into that 10 to eight to 10 week mark, that's when I recommend getting your stage heels. There is a difference. I generally, you know, I work with a lot of the clients. I talk to them on the phone. They send me videos and stuff like, so we can see how the shoes are going to fit. Or, you know, when I do open house events, they come and we do private fittings and that sort of stuff for them. But there's a big difference between prep and off season. So if you're wanting to be practicing year round, I think it's important to have two pairs. Um, if you're somebody that again, is just wanting to do things like eight weeks out from the show, then just get a pair, but you don't need to rush to get them. Yeah. I know a lot of people get excited about it, but some people really like the, uh, the style of shoe with a strap. Some, some, coaches will tell their competitors, no, it, uh, it cuts your leg off and it doesn't look elongated. But the bottom line is work with your coach, but you're also the one, the competitors are the one wearing the shoes. Yes. So you've got to get something that you're comfortable in. I have some clients that are more comfortable in a four and a half inch versus a five inch. The majority of the girls are going to be in a five inch, but do your research on the Federation check out what their shoe regulations are with the CPA. There isn't a shoe regulation, but 
I can't imagine somebody that shows up with a seven or an eight inch stiletto is going to, I can't imagine that that is going to do super well on the scorecards. I'm just saying it's an option, Yeah. Yeah. but it's, even though they, they're not, they're not specific in terms of those regulations still, you know, the highest I would probably go would be like a five and a half inch heel. Yeah. I don't think I would go any higher than that. The five inch again, you still want to feel comfortable in it. And what I encourage my clients to do too, is once they kind of get into that eight weeks out, especially if they're people that aren't necessarily comfortable, you're going to get blisters. Don't wear socks in your shoes because it's going to stretch the plastic and they're not going to fit the way that they need to. The other thing you can take a little blow dryer, you can heat up the plastic a bit. So it's easy for you to get your foot into and it helps mold them. But I recommend to my clients getting into shoes and being in them for an hour a day once they're kind of that eight week out mark, if you're somebody that's not comfortable. So doing your meal prep, um, you know, any meals, that's what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's that there's any of the household <laughs> chores, like vac- yeah, vacuuming. I used to wear mine. Well, I mean, I was managing a nightclub at that time. So I would wear <laughs> them to work there or I, uh, I used to wear them to the grocery store. I just made sure I had really long pants on, but getting that practice is really key. The big, when you, we watch shows and you see girls that aren't walking properly, that tells me a couple of things, either a, they haven't practiced enough in them. B the shoes don't fit them properly. Or again, see, you know, they're just, they just needed to do a little bit of extra work in that. So having them on for an hour a day, I think is a really big thing. It just helps and helps build up that confidence. So you feel one with the shoe. I know that's so a little bit wild to say, but. And then um, just touch on jewelry for a second, because I know that um, like bombshell sells really amazing jewelry. Um, Thank you. But there's a point where you can overdo it, right? So I want you to touch on that too. Yeah, for sure. I'll just go back like shoes. Again, you could be looking at anywhere um, from, you know, 80, $85 to $180, just depending on how fancy you want the shoe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's fine. In terms of jewelry, again, it depends on the division that you're going to be competing in. Like if you look at women's bodybuilding, you don't generally see a lot of the female bodybuilders wearing jewelry um just earrings I think I've I've seen them wear earrings yeah yeah but you're you're not going to see them like you know with women's physique again sometimes they wear cuffs sometimes they don't I think the key pieces to look at are going to be rings uh bracelets and earrings you don't wear um ankle bracelets or necklaces necklaces. or (laughs) No, I, I get asked that. They're like, oh, this is okay. I'm like, don't wear a necklace on, yeah, on don't. stage. It's not. The other thing I think too is even like for guys, if you do have earrings and that kind of stuff, check the regulations too with your federations. I know um, I've seen, you know, a couple people with one earring, but it's a little bit longer and the federation doesn't necessarily allow that. So double check the rules. Um, again, some federations will say, oh, you can't wear this, but then you see pictures from their show and all of a sudden people are wearing it. So, um, again, for like for physique, you know, I would probably recommend, I wore um, earrings and a cuff and that was it. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty basic. Once you get into figure, figure is a little bit more uniform. So I try to encourage my clients to, um, get things. So it's uniform. So it doesn't matter any, any way that you're turning when you're doing your quarter turns, you're getting to see kind of the same each time. Like it's nothing different. Bikini and wellness is a little bit different. So if you got different size bracelets or, you know, maybe you're only wearing one, like 
it's kind of a personal choice. I recommend for people to get things that they could potentially wear down the road too. So it's not just a one-time deal, but jewelry, again, it depends. You can, it can be anywhere from 50 bucks to a hundred to $200. It just depends on kind of what you're doing. So that is, you know, that's important. The other thing leading up to your tan is, is skin prep. And I know people, well, it is. And they, they laugh at how much I push that, but the pros that we work with, um, I tan at the Arnold and the Olympia a few times for both of those shows. I talk to the pros, even when we do, you know, Vancouver pro up here, uh, we've done that a couple of years. We've done Toronto super show. I, I speak to them and I ask them like, what do you guys do throughout the year? And they're all, it's all the same thing. They're moisturizing throughout the year, moisturizing their skin daily, especially here in, in Alberta, where we are, like you know, it's really, yeah, it's really dry. So making sure that you're moisturizing, you know, once a day, at least twice is better. Um, and that you're exfoliating at least yes. once a week. So you can get some really great products. Now, once you start getting into, you know, getting close to the show, I highly recommend do the research and check out the tanning company that you're working with. So for us, we have liquid sunrays skin prep kit. We've got a pH balance body wash that temporarily rebalances your pH, which is critical for a tan. Some people see, you know, things going green or tans going green. It's an interaction of your pH with the solution. I mean, I firmly believe our, our color is, is amazing. So yeah, I still want my clients to have the best experience. We also have a body butter and then we've got a, a body scrub. So most tanning companies are going to be able to provide you with their skin prep. Don't skip out on it because that is a really, really big deal. And you want to make sure you have a flawless tan. Uh, another thing to think about is waist trainers. Lots of females are wearing, even guys for that matter. I know some guys that wear waist trainers too. Um, but just watch that once you're like, I would say no later than a week out from the show, you need to start putting a t-shirt under that. The waist trainer can just chafe your skin, which can affect how you take the color on your, your stomach. Um, so that's another big thing. Um, I'm just trying to think of what else. Um, just keeping your skin in tip top shape throughout the year is important, but you know, it doesn't matter the company, just make sure that you're following their skin prep, shaving or waxing is another big one. Um, you know, again, I would probably recommend shaving the day before. Um, if you're going to be waxing, if you're an avid waxer, like I would probably recommend getting it done no later than six to seven days out from the show. Well, um, if you're not thing. like your skin can be really sensitive and prep too, so that you can actually like, and I'm speaking from experience here. Um, I waxed my eyebrows and it was like a couple weeks out and your skin yeah. is just different because your hormones are different in prep and it totally removed way too many layers of skin so that I like, I had like these like giant marks in patches from waxing my eyebrows so yeah you do need to be really careful with waxing for sure the other like with your body obviously like you know if you're gonna get your um bikini line waxed or anything like that be really really careful what can happen is if you wax it wax too close or you do sugaring or anything too close to the show um the solution can actually penetrate the hair follicle and you can get an infection so 
just follow the skin prep instructions that the company that you're going to be working with is using or is sending you. Some will make recommendations for other products, but if you have questions, it's always good to reach out to them and say, Hey, um, you know, I, is there anything else I can use other than the skin prep kits that you supply or, or whatever. Right. So it's, again, this just goes back to skin prep. Isn't just something it's like anything else. It's not something you do just right before a show. It's got to be done year round. Um, so now if we're talking about cost for like competing in a show, let's just say that it's a local show that you don't have to fly to because that adds a huge expense on top of, right? So we've got like, so we have the membership, which is like 150 bucks. Registration at the show is probably going to run you anywhere from 250 to maybe $400, depending on how many, how many, so, you know, then what are we up to now? So we're like $600. Yeah. Um, and then we've got a suit, which is probably going to be, if you rent one, it would probably be 250. If you buy one, even 500, right? Yeah. So 500 to like 1200, I would say is probably a good 1200 should be able to get you fully encrusted, but yeah. 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 And so, you know, we're close to a thousand dollars now. Yeah. So then we have then you've got um, shoes, shoes, which is going to be 150, $200, right? again depends on the style that you get so even if you drop that down let's say your shoes and your jewelry are going to cost you 250 I always estimate high just so that if you come under that that's great so we're like 1250 and then you have your hair and makeup and tan yep hair makeup and tanning again it really depends if you're a new competitor a lot of people feel more comfortable if they're going with the host company if you're a seasoned competitor, sometimes you feel more comfortable going offsite, especially if it's a company that you're used to working with and you know the quality of work that they have. Yeah. Um, I would probably say safe range. It depends. Regional show, I would say probably around the 400 mark. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So now I would. I would thousand. Yeah. Right? So there's that. Then you and need then- to look at again. Um, your coaching fees. Yeah. Um, your again for for females, you're eating and you know your grocery bills and that kind of stuff. Um, you need to consider that any of the enhancements if that's the road you're going to go down. Um, you know, yeah. there's there's I'd probably say like it's safe to say have about four grand put off yeah. set off to the side four to five grand easily for your first show. Now. Again, if it's like, let's say you're going to do a show, you need to, there might not be flights, but you know, staying in the host hotel is never a bad idea too. You're on location. You don't have to worry. I've had competitors that have slept in that I've missed their show completely. Um, their alarms didn't go off. I've had competitors that have gotten flat tires on show day. Um, you know, their dog has decided to eat one of their heels. I've had all kinds of crazy stuff or heard of all kinds of crazy stuff for the competitors. I, my suggestion is to always make sure that you are able to, you help yourself as much as you can. So take away as much stress and as much cortisol. Cortisol is like the cousin that says really dumb things at the family reunion. Like we don't want cortisol at the party. We want cortisol to just chill. So anything, if you, if you think that there's potential stress, if you'd prefer to stay at the host hotel, those are all key things. If you do decide that you are going to stay at the host hotel, make sure you've got dark sheets, dark towels, and dark pillowcases. A lot of the hotels will actually charge if you do stain any of their stuff. We're fortunate because our, 
but right? it was, it's awful. Know, it was for one towel. Yeah, it's awful. But having that stuff kind of planned, I, again, I, I don't, to my knowledge, know of anybody that's had those issues. We have a product that we put in our solution that helps yes. um, retain the color. So that's nice. But just plan ahead. There's a lot of, of things, you know, responsibli- responsibilities that you have as a competitor. The other thing you need to consider too, like, especially now with COVID, you know, do you get a mask to match your suit? Some competitors think that's cute. Some don't. It, again, it's a personal choice. Like you kind of have to work with your companies or see what it is that you really like. Yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, I would say if you have about, yeah, four to five grand, you can do it more affordably again, if you don't have a coach and all that other stuff. But I still think again, it's, it's always good to have somebody that you're accountable to. Even if you are a seasoned competitor, it's still good to have somebody that is going to help dial you in. I've got athletes too, that they, they go with a coach four weeks out. They yeah, are just in a position. They do their own, they do their own improvement yeah. season and then they just have their prep coach, which is, yeah. I mean, there's, that's usually what pros do. Yeah. Right? And, or they you know, overseas their whole off season or their whole improvement season too. But I know for sure there's some that just have a prep coach and that's it. Absolutely. And, you know, you might want to go and dive a little bit deeper too. I do know a lot of pros and a lot of, you know, um, amateur competitors that have posing coaches. So, you know, some people really find that valuable. I know who I recommend. There's a couple of people that I recommend, um, you know, if you're wanting to go down posing coach enough, honestly, yeah. like, I mean, you can tell, you can have someone who has the most killer physique that is completely dialed that steps Mm -hmm. on stage that has no clue how to pose. And, and it, it doesn't even do, it doesn't do their, their, their physique any justice. Right. No, you know, like it makes you feel so much more comfortable though, going on stage knowing your own body and knowing how to move your body and to move into the poses so that it looks effortless so that, you know, you aren't looking like a robot. Absolutely. Like that whole practicing thing. I mean, again, I adore Kenny Wallach. I think he's one of the top posing coaches in the world. Um, I used him for physique because I had never, I had never done physique before. So I was like, yeah, I need someone like I need to hire someone. He's incredible. And I mean, the work that he, you know, has done with, with competitors like uh, Natalia Coelho, she's an LSR athlete. Yeah. I worked with Ian Valier. I know that he started working with him this year. Um, you know, there, there there's some coaches that really, that think that's important. And then there's other coaches that are like, no, I'm going to teach you, or I want you to pose the way that I want. Like, you know, even if you get into the old school people, um, Neil Hill, if you get a coach like Neil Hill, uh, he's, he's unbelievable. He's one of my most favorite people in the whole entire world. Um, just the, the caliber of coaching that he brings in, even same thing, like, you know, Charles class and Milos and all these other amazing coaches, Hani Rambaugh, George Farah, like, yeah, there's so many incredible people, but just figure out, I think it's always good to, to stack your deck in your favor. So if you do feel that getting a posing coach is important, then get it. There are pros that work with them. Yeah. If you feel that you have a good understanding of that, um, then that's great. The other thing that you need to consider too is, you know, stage photography. So 
you know, stage photography, again, is probably going to run you anywhere from 150 to $200 with the CPA. They do the video critique. I find that incredibly important to get just because it gives you and your coach a good roadmap of what they want to see, where your strengths are, where you need to improve. A hundred percent. And you're deciding you want to compete again and you want to do this long-term by all means, get the, get the um, video critique so that, you know, like where you're lacking with your physique, like that's um, 100%. your, your physique is never perfect. So well, it's, it's really it's not. good to get constructive criticism from someone who, who views like the, the views physiques all the time that knows what the requirements are. So I mean, again, I'll speak on the CPA. I know, you know, Rudy um, does a lot of the video critiques. I know Ron as well will do them. Um, It's really great, but each judge is going to have a different, you know, some people like different physiques. Some people are going to like a rounder, fuller glute. Some, some are, it just, it really depends. But following that and getting the guidance from the people that are head judges is super important. And that's one of the things I really love that the CPA does. It gives the competitors a really good roadmap for where, where their strengths are, where they need to improve and where they can go with it. Um, It's, it's just another excellent tool that I think you stack your deck with and with your coaches, like you can, you can definitely give them access to it. You can share that, or I believe you can, even put their name on it when you order it. I yeah, think okay. um, you'd have to check out with the uh, with the photography company, which would be Zoom uh, for the majority of the CPA shows. Um, but that's nice, and it it allows the coach too. It gives them some some perspective, and it's kind of a gut check for your coaches to see how they dialed you in too. Totally, which I think is really cool, right? Like you can have a, a bikini girl that comes in really crazy shredded but maybe that's not maybe they want to see a softer look I mean we saw that at the at the um we saw that at the Olympia this year if you look well I'm going to talk about bikini for a second Issa Puccini she won the Olympia last year won the Arnold and then comes in and she's six I'm not yeah and I'm not saying that that was a tough class to judge I'm not going to weigh in on who I think should have won or whatever but it's just, it's interesting. You've got to kind of follow that. I think it's also good to double check. So if you're doing a regional show, great. Then when you jump into the pro qualifiers, things change year to year. Yeah. So it's always, it is a good idea. Like even, especially the coaches, the coaches are going to start kind of looking into what they're wanting to see that year. I know some coaches that will dial their athletes in differently. If one head judges coming out versus the other, right. For our shows here. So that depends. It, it's a, it's a preference. It depends on the look that they're wanting to see on stage. Yeah. Um, and the ones other can do too is which, I mean, I didn't want to throw out there cause we, we could have talked about it for a long time, but if you go to the CPA website, um, you can look up all of the divisions and what the requirements are for the physique. So absolutely. They, so uh, like do your research on that. Like go through that and look at it and see, you know, like, and then having a good coach too, by the way, um, have that discussion with them about what they think, what category you would be best in, because some, like there's some people who would never be able to possibly do physique. Whereas for me, I could never do bikini. So if I went to my coach and I was like, Hey, John, I'm going to be a bikini girl. He'd be like, uh, you know, maybe 
So, so, you know, it's just like, I just mean like when you're, if you're are really aren't really sure about like, if you don't have your heart set on a specific division, then go and like read through all of it. Look at the pictures of what bikini is, what wellness is, because I mean, that might help you decide. It will. And I mean, you could be an athlete, like with the wellness division being added now, you could be yeah. borderline. Yeah. So in that instance, I recommend doing both. I recommend doing wellness and doing bikini and see where you pull higher. If you place higher in wellness, you know that that's the look that you should kind of be going towards. But I also think you can't really fight your genetics either. No. So in some, in some instances, you know, you might have a coach. I have a, a client that um, her coach didn't agree with her wanting to go into wellness. Yeah. Well, she did. And she looked amazing. She ended up switched. She talked to her coach, kind of gave him the opportunity to, uh, to fix some things. They decided to part ways. And on a side note, if you are going to part ways with your coach, don't burn bridges guys. It is so important because you're going to see those people at shows. They're going to be there. If you decide that you do want to move on to somebody else, just do it in a very respectful way. Do not slam them on social media. Nope. Do not be, you know, running your mouth. It's just the partnership didn't work and that's it. So do it in a respectful way. Always be kind and always be very respectful because these people, again, the coaches, this is their, this is their livelihood. So do that. Um, but don't fight your genetics either. If you feel that you would do really well in a division and your coach isn't going to work with that, maybe you should farm, farm that out and, and kind of go start shopping around this particular client. She did very well. Um, she, uh, she worked really hard. Again, it was a big difference, but I saw her and I was like, yeah, your wellness, you got wellness written all over you, but that's just the, the knowledge or from being around the sport for so long, just don't fight the genetics, but you also might be, maybe your coach wants you to do physique and maybe you love doing bigger. I don't know. Like you've got to find that fine balance where again, it gets back to your why, why are you competing? Do you want to get that pro card? Cause if you do, there's competitors that I know that have won their pro card in a specific division. And then once they make it to the pro level, they switch divisions. Um, yeah. So that's a possibility too. Right. And you just work with the coach, listen to what they say, but if it feels weird in your gut, you can kind of question that and, see what people say. Totally. Um, and the, the whole way that the qualifications work is here in Canada, he do a regional show. And in order to qualify for nationals, you have to come in top three. Yeah. So after you qualify for nationals, your qualifications are good for a year. So you need to compete in a national show the year following. Um, yeah. And if you place first in your class, then you win a pro card. And if you don't place, if you place out of the top five, then, or the top three, then you have to requalify again. Yeah. I think like, again, if you do win your division, um, you'll go into the overall. That's what I mean. And yeah. then with, yeah, with the overall, then basically it's the winner from each, like, let's say figure it could be a to F let's say. Yeah all the winners from that class, there could be six of them. And then they're going to determine who their top five is. They'll still bring them out, do a comparison round um, and then start placing people and, and that kind of stuff. So it, 
there's a lot of things. Once you kind of get into that level too, like once you're doing a national or sorry, a national show, some people have an idea. Again, if you're an enhanced athlete, it's, you can make some pretty big changes in a couple of weeks or even in a week. If you're a natural competitor, the only thing that you're really going to be able to change is going to be your posing. Um, it's really, really difficult if you've only got a couple of weeks to kind of modify some different things. So could maybe, as a natural, could maybe improve your conditioning a bit, but that's, it's, that's yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be very, very tough. Some, some competitors want to do back-to-back preps. Some don't, um, again, doing a national or natural show, you know, maybe earlier on in the season, uh, doing well with that and giving yourself some time to prep for the pro qualifier, uh, which is generally in end of end of July, uh, beginning of August. That's uh, the natural national pro qualifier. Um, I think that's wise. Even if you've got again two weeks, there's there's changes that you can make. The getting the qualifications is important. That's really great. Uh, once you start getting into um, the national national pro qualifiers, like Vancouver, uh, Toronto any of those kind of, I think there's, I want to say there's three or four. Yeah. Cause there's like, one in Ottawa like, as well. Yeah. Well yeah. now, yeah, Another one there's, in there's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. do your, do your research, figure out kind of where it is that you want to head with it. But once you kind of get into that, there's going to be some added costs too, because especially if you've got to fly to the destination, some people like to stay in an Airbnb because it's got a kitchen for them and they can do other meals some people like to stay right at the host hotel. Um, some people like to stay off site. It really depends. Like do whatever works well for you. Um, I think again, if you are going to be traveling, make sure you got your suit and make sure you got your heels and all your stuff with you, uh, in do your carry on. Do not put it in your, no. in your checked luggage. Always put it in your carry on with you. Just, just do it. Yes. That's my, I mean, the yeah. amount of stress and anxiety that you can, <laughs> you can get from that is, uh, is pretty overwhelming. It's always a good idea to like to have a backup pair of heels, have a backup suit with you. There's crazy stuff that can happen backstage. I mean, I've personally always. never, I've never personally seen anything crazy happen here in Alberta in terms of people stealing things, but I have heard stories where, you know, somebody's shoes go missing or maybe their suit goes missing or something like that. So just make sure you've got a couple of different options with you. If something goes sideways, that way you keep your cortisol at bay. Um, you can kind of mitigate that, uh, mitigate that situation as much as best you can. And, uh, yeah, go from there. And, um, I don't know that we'll ever have the same experience that we did with our COVID vacation to (laughs) did the countryside tour of Ontario in November. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen ever have to happen again, but. Well, that was, I, again, I commend the CPA and, and Ron and Angie. Um, Oh, I know they, they tried their hardest. Like it It was, was, it was tough. Screwed up situation altogether. Right. And it was, it, it it was the fear of, okay, if I don't go and it happens, I lose my qualification. And then it's like, but what if we go and it's canceled? And then it's like, yeah. so it was kind of, you know, it just didn't know what to do. So it I happened. think people again, learned from they, it. So yeah, and they tried to make the best of it. I, I wasn't giggling, but I, I found out just as we were landing into, I, I came into Hamilton actually. Yeah. And I found out that the show had been canceled. So 
I ended up renting, I had a car rental anyways, but I went, I grabbed my car and I drove to Toronto because I had um, (laughs) one athlete that was in the airport that was absolutely devastated. Um, And then I had another one that was just coming in. So I actually just got a hotel for all of us. We had some crazy room service. Again, they were, (laughs) it was pretty funny. I, I, it's been a while since I've been out for out to eat with competitors after a show, I forgot all the staple foods, the pizza and the burgers and wings, but it was okay. I mean, I think people, it was devastating for the competitors, but you know, it was, it was out of our control. There's competitors that are going to compete this year. There's, there's ones that aren't, they're going to take another year off just because there's so many unknowns. The biggest thing guys, like just, I think it's, it's just trying to stay as calm as possible and just know that there is real possibilities. The promoters are working hard to obviously get these shows executed, but you've got to remember there's a lot of expense for them too. They've got to pay for, you know, stages and judging and hotel rooms for the judges and travel fees and um, venues and all kinds of lights, all kinds of different things. Um, so just be kind. And again, you know, it's unfortunate. I know there was a lot of shows that got canceled last year. Last year was really tough. Um, but just be patient. I know that the the schedule has kind of, I think it's May is when it starts is when the show season, which is weird because normally we always have one show in Alberta yeah in March but that just for this year has been changed a little bit but just be patient and understanding I know I do want to give a shout out to um to Ryan um he's one of the promoters that's out in Manitoba and man I went out there to help out for a show and um the amount of stuff that he got for his athletes and just everything that they went through all of the promoters that had shows last year, everybody had struggles. They all went through um, not being able to have audiences, perhaps uh, live stream became incredibly popular. Um, I know Corey out in Vancouver, he kind of led the, led the charge with that. Jenny Briscoe ended up doing that as well. Um, I sponsored that for the two Alberta shows so that friends and family could participate with their friends and family that were competing I know Heather LeBlanc out in in Maritimes had a really tough go they were I can't remember how they did it but I feel like they told her she had to have the show done by midnight they had to do it a day early yeah and it was I mean the amount of stress like you said that that all of these people have have undergone is I think people just assume that you know if you're a promoter that you're making all this money and and all this other stuff but they don't necessarily put them, put their themselves in the shoes. I know, um, you know, especially in Alberta, there was, I think one of the shows was canceled. I know, uh, the other promoters, there was a lot of things that happened. There was venue changes kind of last minute or different things that took place. Um, and there was a lot of venues that didn't really want to have events or couldn't because of all the COVID stuff. So just be patient, like with everybody and have a back on for this year, like, yeah. Know that if, if, if the show that you're hoping for has, it does get canceled, know that there always is another one that will be coming. So absolutely, you know, like, it doesn't mean that you have failed. It doesn't mean that you, you know, that everything is the world is ending. It's like, no, you just kind of pick yourself up. You come up with a new plan with your coach and you just start moving towards that one. Like it's, yeah. if anything, it's just, you can make improvements. So I had a couple of athletes that were supposed to do the Toronto uh, show in November and they ended up pivoting completely and they went down and competed in Orlando at the Arnold amateur. So 
there are options. I think the biggest thing is it's just, you know, focus on the plan that's at hand, but just know it's not a bad idea to kind of get a backup plan too. Um, the other thing that I do want to briefly, super quickly talk about is when to book your services. So the order that I would probably do it, I'd get your suit uh, organized because that's going to take a bit for your suit maker to make. You obviously want to get it to make sure it fits so that if you have to send it back or whatever, you're not stressing out leading up to showtime. Um, after that, again, then I would get registered for the show. Um, your CP membership or most of the federations anyways, I don't think you need to have it by a specific date. It's not like if you don't have it by January 1st, you can't compete. You can buy that a few days out from the show. Yeah. Um, I would get your show services booked as well. Um, get your, some companies will do tanning time. Some people won't. We've done both. Um, if it's a bigger show, we will offer the tanning times, but you want to make sure you get a good time. Um, be considerate too of, you know, everybody's, everybody's time. So our team at that show in November, we're, we were there for over 20 hours. Um, so if you have an appointment time, if you're going to be late, please be courteous, let somebody know, get in touch with them, but don't expect companies to stay after. I know, um, if they say tanning is done at seven o'clock, it's done at seven o'clock. And if you show up late, you probably aren't going to get tanned that night. So just be considerate of that. Get your stuff booked in advance as possible. Um, same thing with your photography, your video critique, any of that kind of stuff. Get that stuff all tackled. I would probably start chipping away at that as soon as you can. Um, the costs add up very quickly, especially, you know, running into the show. There might be we usually have a booth. So maybe somebody decides they want to get something else or, you know, they want to get a new pair of shoes. Don't, I don't recommend buying a new pair of shoes and wearing them on stage. Cause you may be a little bit uncomfortable. They're not going to be completely broken in, but um, just take as much stress off your plate as possible. Break it into manageable pieces. It's one more day. It's one more meal. It's one more workout. That's closer to your goal. All the competitors say this to me, when the tan goes on, it starts to feel real. You can look yeah. great. You're lean. You know, you've got your, your baggier clothes on and stuff. But once the tan goes on, it feels real. The other thing I recommend to clients is don't be jerking around with your suits on and off once you get your tan. If you need to check in with your coach, do the check-in. Um, that's not a problem. But you don't need to be doing 27 selfies and putting your suit on every 20 minutes. A, depending Wait, on the company. The longest pot time possible to put it on before you go on stage. Yeah, I, and same thing. I recommend like for the night before, put it on if you've got to do your check-ins. Other than that, take it off. You don't need to be 27,000 pictures of yourself no. in the suit. Like I know you're excited, but there's just a chance. The more that you're taking your suit on and off, there's a chance that connectors could break. There's a chance that stones could fall off, that you could wreck your tan. Um, any of that kind of stuff. So just be careful. If you are staying in the host hotel and that's where the venue is, then you're in good shape. I probably would recommend, you know, putting it on maybe just before you leave your room or even just bringing it down with you and changing at the venue. Um, if you're driving over to the venue, sitting on rhinestones isn't a super fun time. It can be very uncomfortable, especially for girls. So just you know, prepare yourself as much as you can and, uh, yeah, do, do as much as you can to get ready, but talk to your friends that have competed before too, and see what they do. And 
what's easier for them. You might find something, you learn a ton. I learn tons from competitors all the time. They've got little tips and tricks of things they do. So it's very cool. Hey, well, we are well over an hour. Yeah. So I figured that this would probably be a big discussion, but I know. And I feel like there's always still more to talk about. So I would love to be able to have you on again so we could chat some more. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. And thank you for, you know, being able to share some of the knowledge with the, with the competitors that are checking this out or exploring the venue or avenue of competing. And if you want to find Jenna, you can find her at bombshell productions on Instagram. Yeah. Um, yeah it's just bombshell find, productions. And you can always find her website, check out all of the goods that she has. Um, and don't ever feel um, like you can't send her an, send her an email and ask her a question or shoot her a DM. Cause she always. Absolutely. We like joking. for, I'll touch, I'll touch on the show. Like for November, I think I spoke to the majority. We had over 200 competitors and I spoke to the majority of them on the phone just to answer any questions. I get that it's scary, but you're right. We, we try to make sure that we answer any and everything. I know for my company, we do videos and stuff. So be sure, like check out the social media we post and we, we do answer a lot of those things, but we try to provide the competitors, which is with as many tools to succeed as possible. But thank you again so much. It was, yeah, yeah, it was really fun to talk about this. I could talk about it for hours. So it's always good. Okay. Well, thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you. I'll talk to you later.